welcome everyone. This is the Nerds RPG Variety Cast. I'm your host, Jason. Okay, the musical transitions today are given to us by TJ Drennan. You can find him on Patreon. Go support him. And I just want to give you a fair warning. There's about 20 minutes of call-ins and my responses. I thought about breaking this in two episodes, but the episode I did, a part one and part two that I broke up for time, is my least listened to episode. So I'm going to leave this as one complete episode. There is a contest at the end, so I recommend, if nothing else, you listen to the contest, and I have a pretty cool unboxing after after the call-ins. But these are some pretty great call-ins, so I, I think you'll enjoy listening to them as well. In fact, there's even a visit to a pirate restaurant mixed in these call-ins. There's American viewers finding Red Dwarf in these call-ins. There's all kinds of call-ins, and Dave Aldrich's strips us of our innocence during the call-ins. So, I don't know how you want to skip any of that. Oh, uh, one other thing. In regard to your practice of recording people's comments after the screening, what is that like a question and answer period? Hey, Jason's Mysterious Brother here. Um, I love what you're doing here. Um, I like the way your, your game is coming together. Um, I like the attribute names, Body, Mind, and Soul. I tried making a minimalistic game like this before and those are the ones I landed on so um, I think the names are good people understand what those mean so that's good um, and as far as luck goes man I, I like luck too I've tried putting that in a game before um, I like the way DCC does it um, and uh, you kind of mentioned it being one of the secondary attributes and um, I was thinking once you get the you know the mechanics nailed down that um, it could be an, a, a combination of all of the modifiers um, of mind, body, and soul if you have modifiers. Um, and that would be your luck score, and it would work the same. But I'll catch you later, man. Keep rolling. Hey, Jason. It's the Mysterious Brother here again. Um, I was going to talk to you about the encumbrance system you were talking about. Um, I really like the slot idea. I love the usage dice idea. Um and I kind of wanted to talk about maybe backpacks. So, like, if your character has a pack and he's cramming it full of gear and stuff, um, using the same slot mechanic to have a backpack have its own kind of encumbrance. Um, and then you could, like, upgrade your backpack, have a bigger one or something. Um, that way it doesn't hold so much. I like the way you said writing down uh, where each thing is. And, um, yeah, man. Uh I like what you're doing here. Keep keep it up, and um, I'll catch you next Monday. Keep rolling. So that was the mysterious brother, Tyler M., from A 20-Sided Life. Wow, dude. Thank you for the feedback. I really appreciate it. Some good ideas there. That's interesting. Luck being the modifiers. Uh, I'm not positive on modifiers or not, but somehow luck working in that way. That's an interesting idea. So I'll definitely look at that. Not not sure if I'll go that way, but it's definitely worth considering. Um, as far as the backpack idea, yeah, dude. When when we were in the army, we would, depending what unit you're in and you know how they were, but you you would you could sometimes customize your rucksack. We'd put different things on there. You know, you put a saw pouch on the side to carry something, or you do whatever. Um, but yeah, and then you had to know where everything was, right? So you, you pack your your rucks your backpack 
and um, you need to know, it's like just if you're hiking or, you know, mountain climbing or whatever, you need to know where everything is in that pack. You don't want to have to, you don't want to have, used to call it the, um, what do we call it? Crap. The, the, the X1 exploding rucksack. I forget what, 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 what we exactly called it, but the idea was you got a new private who didn't know how to pack their, their pack, you know, and you'd be out there in the field and they'd have to get something out of it. And they'd end up, and, you, and you'd look over there, and everything would be dumped out on the ground because they're digging for something. Where if it's packed correctly, you know exactly where it is. So, yeah, great, great thoughts. Thank you so much. I will talk to you later on. Hey, Jason Spencer here. Just listening to your latest episode. No, it wasn't your latest episode. Episode number six. Struggling to keep up, but I heard Andy Shandy Andy calling me out as some kind of expert on uh, British kids TV, which I'm not sure I could take up that position, but I do remember Captain Pugwash, as I'm sure any Brit of my age would. Um, But my real love is comedy and uh, growing, well, not just growing up, I mean, well into my 30s, BBC Two on a Thursday night, you could be guaranteed a great night in. They always had a really good comedy lineup, and... um, uh, well, Channel 4 too, although that tended to be more over the weekend. But I could start listing things off, but I'd be Jacksoning all over the place. Anyway, take care. If you want to know more, just ask. Although I will add that I was very surprised to learn that TJ uh, used to watch The Mighty Boosh. Him and his friends used to quote it to each other at work. And, um, yeah, I just find that crazy that, you know, a bunch of kids in Texas are watching it. I mean, when it came out over here, the first season, I think I was the only person I knew who actually watched it. I kept recommending it to people. They never heard of it. Um, Yeah, some real kind of, um, what do you call it, cult comedy. And um, I'm really surprised to learn that you're able to watch it out there. And I wonder how that sort of stuff translates, really. But, uh, yeah, very interesting to hear that. Okay, that was Free Thrall from Keep Off the Borderlands. Thank you for the call. So I, I would assume PBS is to blame for a lot of this. Blame being, you know, not the right word, but you know, for showing a lot of public television shows would, would have been showing a lot of the British shows. I'm not sure on the other things. Cable networks might have picked some up, maybe... He was in Texas, though, I think, because I guess Canadian TV might have picked up some of your shows, too. I don't know. That's a good question how he saw them. The British shows I saw were all PBS or, you know, Benny Hill made it to the mainstream a little bit. Um, you talk about comedies. Benny Hill made it a little bit. But when I think of comedies, I think more things like Minder. But um, I'm probably not your typical Yank in that respect. So... Maybe that answers your questions. I don't remember what else you... Oh, because you called about defending yourself from the Captain Pugwash thing. Yeah, I, I found Captain Pugwash. Looks like it would have been a great show if you were the age. So, I thank you for the call, and I'll talk to you later. Hey, this is Ray from Plundergrounds. I'm in the car, so it's going to sound kind of funny. I have eaten at a pirate-themed restaurant. I ate at one in Savannah, Georgia, called The Pirate House. And it's supposed to be authentic to the time period. 
In fact, they told us that Robert Louis Stevenson stayed there and wrote Treasure Island while he was in the upstairs rooms at the place. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, but that's the story they sold us, uh, along with a bunch of mm, fairly crappy drinks and food. <laughs> the Pirate House in Savannah, Georgia. Okay, so that was Ray Otis of Plundergrounds Podcast talking about his experience at a pirate-themed restaurant. And that especially goes out to you, Shandy Andy. So, now on with the show. Hey, Jason. It's Laren. Um, I heard about Red Dwarf from Jeff, actually. I had never heard of it before I met him. And he loved it, and then I watched it with him, and I love it too. So, thank you very much for bringing it up, because it got us re-watching it. The other night we watched a couple episodes, which was a lot of fun. Anyway, I just wanted to say, hey, I just started your latest episode... Oh my gosh, don't you love that bed that TJ made? It is so good. It's so funny to me that he said he doesn't think it's his jam because I think it's wonderful. Anyway, I'm happy to hear it. Back to listening. That was Laren from the Updates in Mill Nowhere answering Shandy Andy's request to know where people found Red Dwarf in America. Then um, Free Thrall had asked about Americans and British comedies, or Shandy Andy or both of them may have asked, um, but... And Laren left a message about Faulty Towers, how she really enjoyed Faulty Towers, but Anchor won't cooperate and let me put it with this episode. So just know that she did that. Thank you, Laren. I appreciate the call. Yo, what up, Jason? It's Joe, man. Nice work continuing on with your show. You're putting out good stuff, and it's it's awesome, man. So congratulations on that, dude. But the reason I'm calling is because it just dawned on me that I forgot to address in my response to you on my last episode, I forgot to address the fact that you don't think The Crow is a comic book movie. And the reason I classify it as a comic book movie is because it's a movie based off of a comic book. It wasn't a super popular one, but it was a comic book. It was a comic book before it became a graphic novel. So because it was a comic book, I consider it a comic book movie. But anyway, man... I'm glad you watched it again, and keep up the great work, dude. Peace out. That was Joe Richter of the Hindsightless Podcast and the Wheel or Woe Actual Play Podcast. I really appreciate the kind words, and you are totally right. It's totally valid to call that comic book movie. But, you know, it's kind of like Red. I don't consider Red. Is that the one with Bruce Willis and Morgan Freeman and the retired agents? I, I don't consider that a comic book movie either. Yeah, it was based on a comic, but, you know, or The Losers. Mind you, I haven't read The Losers comic, and I The Losers movie was a better A-Team movie than the A-Team was, but I don't know. Maybe I'm jilted that way. What I do know is you skillfully avoided answering the big plot hole of The Crow, which is, how did that cat stay alive in the apartment for a year and look so healthy? Hmm. Anyhow... Thanks for the call, Joe. Everybody, go listen to Joe's podcast. Hey, Jason. Hi, it's Dave. Look, I'm calling in with a request for you. Uh, no hurry. Uh, well, in fact, you don't have to do it at all. But I know, in particular, we're all busy with Arneson Month at the moment. But if you did get a chance and you were taking requests, I heard you call into the Dice Us Screaming podcast, and one of the things you mentioned was how you viewed um, Warhammer Quest as the premier dungeon-crawling board game. This fascinates me. I have mentioned on my show sometimes that I'm, I sort of would like to try out a board game that tried to emulate the dungeon crawl 
maybe with my kids, maybe not. I'm enjoying Adventures in Middle Earth at the moment, but I know there's a load of them out there. I played Descent quite a bit a few years ago. Um, I know there's the Dungeon Board game, but I imagine that's been superseded now by by a lot of games that have um, much cleverer algorithms for running opponents and things like this. Anyway, these games are pretty big and expensive, and so it's difficult to get a taste of them unless you know someone who's got a big pile of them, of course. Um, so Warhammer Quest is something I've looked at from afar and thought, well, I wonder if that really is the kind of experience that I hope it would be. I mean, I played, what did I play? Um, I can't remember now. Oh, Hero Quest, Hero Quest, you know, a bit, a, a long time ago. But I know these games have moved on quite a bit now. I know you collect them, you play a lot of them. I would love to listen to an episode where you discussed both why Warhammer Quest was the leader and uh, maybe what some of the near competitors are. I would find that uh, really interesting and also really valuable and might guide me uh, in, a, in, a, in a significant purchase. Um, I'd love to listen to that. Anyway, love the show as you know, Jason. Okay, that was Dave Aldrich from the Deeper Centile podcast. So he's giving me a number of calls today. I'm going to address them individually here. Warhammer Quest. I do think it's the premier dungeon crawl board game. And I am putting together a very special episode in November to discuss that. But in the meantime, for just a couple dollars, you can get the Warhammer Quest game for your iPhone. I know you have an iPhone, Dave. It may be available for Android. Make sure you buy Warhammer Quest 1, the one that was released a couple years ago. Don't buy Warhammer Quest 2. That game's crap. But if you buy the original Warhammer Quest game, if you're not sure which one, contact me. I'll show you. But you want the original Warhammer Quest iPhone game released, like I say, like three years ago. That game does a good job of approximating the board game. Um, my second comment would be to find somebody else who owns it. Find yourself... You know, I bet you Colin owns it. Um, Pete Jones might own it. And, pl- and convince them to let you to set it up and play a game with you. But if you can't do that, then wait till November and during my special episode we'll talk about it. So that's answering your question. Yes, I do take requests and yes, I will get you a special episode on it. On Warhammer Quest. Hey Jason, sorry, I listen to things in a weird order, so I don't know if you've done all the call-ins about this one, but uh, yeah, Conan the Destroyer, I find it really hard to love that film. I know you conceded that it wasn't the best Conan, but I think it's worse than that. After Conan the Barbarian, which is my all-time reference point for fantasy films, Conan the Destroyer is just such a disappointment. I find it really hard to love that film. On, yeah, Weird Properties. So that's topical because you've got the Wendy's game at the moment. I haven't seen it yet, but there's been a lot of uh, coverage of it. And then there's the Tingleverse RPG. I don't know how much you know about this, but I've heard some reviews of this, and apparently it's just, it's a much better game than it has a right to be. I'm almost tempted to pick up a copy. It sounds really creative, and it doesn't actually have too much sort of um, sexy business going on in it. So there's a contender. Okay, Dave, on your second question, Conan the Destroyer. I do think it's the second best Conan movie, but I agree with you, it's not a great Conan movie. And it's not all that great of a movie, but I think it does kind of approximate a D&D kind of movie. And and I kind of think it's better than the D&D movies. But your point's taken, it's not a good movie. I, I mean, you know, I could point towards Deathstalker or some of those movies. Mind you, the original Deathstalker is a very rapey movie. I'd point you to Deathstalker 2, which is a little more 
lighthearted. But regardless, the one thing I do take offense, I don't take offense to, I take umbrage to, or I disagree with, or whatever the right term is, you're, you could correct me with the right term I should be using here, but you say Conan is your go-to fantasy movie. Conan the Barbarian is my go-to sword and sorcery movie, but for a go-to fantasy movie, I think there's no question that Excalibur is the best. I I defy you to find me a better fantasy movie than Excalibur. I love Excalibur. It's such a great movie. It hits all the right notes for me, and, and I'm surprised that it that that would that Excalibur wouldn't be your fa- go-to fantasy movie. I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on Excal why Conan is a better fantasy movie than Excalibur. Like I say, I think Conan's a great sword and sorcery movie, but when we're talking about fantasy, Excalibur is is it for me. You know, Dave, there's a saying, ignorance is bliss, and you've broken that sweet, sweet ignorance for me. I had no idea what the Tingleverse or who Chuck Tingle was before you call. So, I don't know. I, I'm going to take care of the Warhammer Quest episode for you. I'll let you review the Tingleverse RPG and let us know how it goes. I, I did a quick online search, and from the one site I found, it, you're right. It actually looks like it might not. it might be an interesting game. But I'll, I'll let you review that one while I knock out your Warhammer Quest video. Or Warhammer Quest review, how about that? The Wendy's one? Nah, it's marketing. It's it's what it is. I don't pay a whole lot of mind to that. Like, there was some discussion on Audio Dungeon tonight. It's kind of like the Big Bang Theory. I'm not into the Big Bang Theory either. It's kind of how other people look at nerds. It's not necessarily how nerds look at themselves, right? In my opinion. So, anyway, thank you for calling me. And thank you for crushing my my innocence. But here's the thing which is not so much weird or strange as it is just cool. I have got on my shelf, I hunted it down, paid a pretty penny for it, it was worth every one of those pennies. I have got GURPS The Prisoner. This is an amazing, I mean those GURPS source books are amazing. But The Prisoner, ah, when I found out they'd done that I had to own that book. If I ever run a game of The Prisoner, I won't use GURPS as a system. My feelings about GURPS are known. But this book is an absolute trove of guidance for how you would make, you know, the whole sort of mystery and the way antagonism works in The Prisoner work for an RPG. I, you know, I'm just outside my house. I'm going to go in and get it off the shelf and hold it for a bit and love it. It's just a great book. Last and not least, Dave, I want to say I love The Prisoner. It's quirky, it's weird, it falls in that big brother Annie establishment time frame back then. It's a great show. I actually don't own the GURPS adaptation of The Prisoner, The Prisoner World Book. I I really need to go and just pony up the money and get it, because The Prisoner is a great show. If people haven't seen The Prisoner, you can find on YouTube, I'm sure, there's streaming here in America... Watch at least the opening episode of The Prisoner, or maybe the first couple. It's worth your time. It's it's unique. Thank you for pointing that out. So that again, that was Dave Aldrich of Deep Percentile Podcast. Go out and listen to Deep Percentile. Great show. And now I want to lead to the last call of the night, which is Colin Green. Hey, Jace. It's me, man. Um, I just want to say I'll take my hat off to you. You've jumped into this Anchorite thing. You're on the Discord. 
you've 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 got in there much enthusiasm. I really appreciate your tasting games. It seems to align with my way of thinking. Man, I, I think it's awesome this kind of anchorite community. If you listen to random screed, Hobbs was on about it the other day. It's, it's, it is mind-blowing, man. I salute you. And uh, keep up the good work. Hope you're enjoying uh, the Arneson month. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm watching this space to see what you come up with. You take care. I'll catch you later. That was the world-famous Colin Green of the Spike Pit Podcast. And I am floored. Normally... I might have put up a funny clip or something, but in all honesty, that, that's high praise, and I really appreciate it, Colin. Thank you. I, I am trying to make my podcast better and clean them up. Here in the future, you're going to see some review episodes that are actually scripted and presented, hopefully when I'm not down to three hours sleep. But I, I really appreciate it. You and your podcast is a huge inspiration to me. I really love the Spike Pit Podcast and all the Anchorite Podcasts. I, I have to admit, I don't even really listen to any of the other shows I used to listen to. The mainstream podcasts, I pretty much just listen to Anchorcast now, so kind of crazy. But thank you again, everybody. If you're not listening to Spike Pit, well, you're wrong. What's in the basket, Easter eggs? Okay, this week's Mystery Unboxing. This is kind of a cheat because I'm pretty sure I know what these are, but I might be wrong because I do order a lot of junk. So I'm going to actually open three packages that I picked up today from the post office because I think they're connected. So we're going to see. Oh, you know what? Actually, they may not be. So we'll find out. The first one is a package from Wisconsin. It is a USPS postal office envelope. First class mail. It is oh, ten and a half inches long by nine inches wide by I don't know maybe half an inch, three quarters of an inch deep. So let's open this up. It's a yellow envelope. Uh, we're just gonna rip it open. Brute force. And yep, this is not what I was thinking it was originally. So, this is good. So, there's something wrapped in a cardboard container, which is a book, I think. And then there's a deck of cards in here. So, now I'll say who the package is from. It's from Phil Reed. You may recognize that name. Phil Reed is connected to Steve Jackson Games, although he does separate Kickstarter of his own. So, the cards that are in here are his Dungeon Challenge cards, a 36 deck of inspirational cards for GMs. On the back it says, when you're stuck for an adventure idea, draw one card and randomly from the deck. Sprinkle in monsters and treasures, using the card for inspiration. With a penny or other token, track the progress of the party as they complete the broad objectives suggested by the card. Inspiration, not instruction. And in the cardboard envelope, we have... Let's see, there's a book. Oh, there's a couple books. Yay. This is a Kickstarter that I backed from Mr. Reed. So we have a, basically a zine that he did, the Delayed Blast Game Master. 
and delayed blast game master 2 i think the um kickstarter was actually for the dungeon challenge cards though if i remember right so these are zines they are 48 pages and yep both 48 pages long First one says, random nonsense to use with fantasy dungeon crawl role-playing games, ready for GMs who are willing to put a little work into transforming concepts into adventure. Grab your dice and imagination and get to work. The second one says, for those who ask for more dungeon stupidity, this zine delivers. So just opening up to a random table in here, we have 1d6 warped monsters, where we have a wear mimic Lobster Men, Ooze Folk, Skeletal Mage, Skeletal Archer, and Goblin Touched. The Goblin Touched is a more, more of a sickness and a monster, so rare it only happens once every century or so. I'm not going to ruin all this, but there's all kinds of... So these are all basically D6 tables. Oh, no, there's other sided tables in here. Here's a, a D30 table. For unusual treasures. Uh, hold on, let me get some dice. Okay, since that was a 30-sided or a D30 table, I'm gonna get out a 30-sided die. Because I do have the various dungeon crawl dash classic dice. So let's see what we get. Uh, that's not a very good roll. There we go. 14. So let's see. Uh-oh, I closed the book. <laughs> let's here we go. A 14 on the unusual treasure. This is a 5d6 unusual treasure chart. Oh, I could just use d6. So well. It's a metal collar and chain, both covered with the blood of some forgotten soul. Yuck. So, that's these books. They are pretty cool. They are, let's see, oh, 8.5 inches tall by 5.5 wide. And like I say, they're 48 pages each. The second one has more random tables. Oh, and these are all different kinds of dice. 2d4, memorable weapons. Um, doo -doo -doo. 1d8, dungeon oddities. Yeah, just so all kinds of different things. The 5d6, unwanted treasures. So these are pretty cool books. He'll I would assume you could probably buy these PDFs off drive-thru. Like I say, they're called the Delayed Blast Game Master. Probably would have been better if I had read what kind of dice I needed, but it's all good. So I'm opening the um, Dungeon Challenge cards that came with them. And these cards are kind of neat. They're in hexagon shapes. The front say Dumb Dungeon Ca Challenge cards. Some artwork, copyright. William, it's too small for me to read. William McAusland used with permission. And it's got a picture of a dungeon door on the front. Pretty cool. And then on the back, have a variety of things. So I'm just going to pull a random card out. And again, these cards are just dungeon challenge cards. They're inspiration for GMs. So the random one I pulled out says Disaster. Mystic Fire is unchecked. It says play, It's got three hexes with instructions at the bottom of the card. Place a token on the first hex below left. Then follow the instructions on the right of the hex. So, on the first stage, deep beneath a dungeon, an arcane flame has been unleashed and set the stone itself on fire. After 2d6 turns, advance the token to the next hex. 
That second hex says, Flames eat at the rock and stone around you, dealing damage every turn to all within the place. After 1d6 turns, advance the token. And then the last step of this, the flames grow more intense and you have 1d6 plus 2 turns to escape or burn to death. So these are really cool different things and each of them has those three steps down there and, and, and they're pretty cool. So what this reminds me of a lot, ICRPG, and I know I talk about that a lot, ICRPG uses a thing called uh, timers. And if you're not familiar with that, what it does is the GM is supposed to set up each scene, have timers where he'll roll a die. Usually it's a D4. And then when that counts down to zero, it goes down one each turn. And then when it gets to zero, something bad, ha something happens, usually something bad. And that's to keep the party moving and keep, keep the game going so they don't just hang out in the same place for two hours. And these cards remind me of that. You could pull out one of these cards... Like, you could roll your timer, and then when it counts, so if you roll a four, then they have four turns before the timer kicks in, it, or, you know, before the timer runs out. If they roll one, well, they don't have very much time, because after one turn, the timer's going to flip, right? And you could just show it using a, turning a die or whatever. But, so what you could do is, when the timer runs down, you could pull one of these cards out, and then it gives you further times. So for games... I wouldn't use these cards in ICRPG, but for other games, I might use them, you know, to to keep people going. So, neat idea. Um, so, actually, I took a while to do all this, so I'm going to stop here, and I will open the other packages next time. So, this is interesting, because I thought I knew what it was, and I was totally wrong. Thank you for hanging out for the Mystery Unboxing. Okay, special contest time. There's still a contest till the end of the year if you let me know where all the clips or whoever identifies the most clips in the pilot episode. But for this, this is a special contest. Today's 5 October. This contest will end on Halloween, 31st of October, 2019. I have a special opening clip and ending clip to this episode. Tell me what tell me what where those clips are from and what the thematic connection between the two is. If you can do that, and you're the first to do that in a call-in using the Anchor app, then you'll win a prize, which will be a gift certificate drive through RPG. So, good luck. As always, the best way to reach me is just leave a voice message on the Anchor app where you can reach me on the Audio Dungeon. Officially disavowed.